Welcome to the Gideon's Church Speaker Program, where our mission is to help develop more and better speakers. Whether you've been speaking for decades or just thinking about getting qualified, you will find valuable tips, lessons, and inspiration here. This is Sean Graver from the Tacoma Northwest Camp in Tacoma, Washington, and now here is this week's episode. Our guest today is a semi-retired engineer who's been a Gideon since 1976. He's been a member of Gideon camps in Alaska, North Dakota, Colorado, Illinois, and Columbia, South America. He currently serves as the church ministry chairman with the Anchorage South Camp in Alaska. I'm very happy to be speaking with Steve Burrell today. Hello, Steve. Hello, how are you? Doing great, thank you. So, Steve, what motivated you to become a church ministry speaker? I would say, there. first off, there was a need, and I have spoken previously lots of the different situations, and so that was just a logical step for me to, to, to become a church speaker. And now that you've been doing that for quite a while, what does your preparation process look like before you uh, head out to the church? probably starts at least three or four days prior to getting there. If I'd been at the church recently, one of the things I like to do is look at their bulletin boards and see... Uh, are there particular missions that they support? For example, if they if they support something in the Philippines or in uh, Peru or somewhere, I try to select one or more testimonies that fit that country or those locations or the interest level that that congregation already has. But then um, I maintain, if you will, a running total on my computer of the different messages I've given. So I, I know I know from that. You know, okay, here are the testimonies I've given at this church. If I've spoken there before, I'll know, okay, this particular church, uh, I gave two or three specific testimonies. Uh, I will not use those again when I speak at that church. And by maintaining the outline on the computer, I can go back and I can I can see that, okay, here's, here's such and such a church. Uh, okay, what did I say there? Uh, uh, you know, then I uh, go on. But but in any case, it, it evolves over time also. Usually there will be a, a starting testimony that is possibly the most relevant and the most grabbing for the congregation, if you will. And then I, I have a basic outline, and I fill in testimonies around that basic outline. So when you go up to the podium, what do you like to bring with you? Well, that's interesting you'd ask that question, because uh, I've watched a lot of speakers, and I believe it's extremely distracting to carry a whole bunch of stuff. What I like to bring is, and I did that here just a, two Sundays ago, I brought uh, one college New Testament, and I brought my outline, and that was all. If I, I have a couple a couple testimonies that involve a full-size Bible, and if I believe it's appropriate I will bring that and show that as an the example. But the people have seen the hotel Bibles, and so they don't need to see another one stuck up in the air. I feel strongly about that, that it would, I believe it distracts to have more stuff with you. Now, you mentioned that you will bring perhaps a, a just maybe one testament and, and your outline. Can you talk about your outline a little bit more? Uh, it sounds like you've overcome the need to refer directly to notes during the whole presentation. The outline, it's a one page, and it starts with a testimony. And then my question is, well, how did that college student get that Gideon New Testament? And I say, well, uh, a Gideon like myself came to a church like yours, and somebody contributed the dollar 
Now dollar and twenty cents, as a matter of fact, the Gideons just lowered the price by sound management. They were able to lower the cost of a of the New Testament from a dollar twenty five to this year a dollar twenty. And I mean that's exactly what I said at the at the last church I was at. And and then I'll say, and uh, you know uh, that means a, a case of a hundred of these New Testaments is is one hundred and twenty dollars. And indeed, I had either one or two contributions of a hundred and twenty dollars. For somebody to get that picture in their in their mind, but then I say, well, who are the Gideons? Well, they're Christian business and professional men. Now, uh, in 200 countries of the world, they are local Christians. They know the language, they know the culture, they know the customs, they know where to go, they know where not to go, and they know how to operate in that society. Uh, they are right there all the time. And what's their purpose? Well, their purpose is to win others to Jesus Christ, and we do that through our personal witnessing and through the placement of scriptures. And then it's time for another testimony, whatever style, either. But again, something that, if at all possible, is either local or something that's related to something with their church. The local aspect is something that I um, I really feel at, at this particular church I was most recently spoke at. I had several people that were very, really blessed by that, but I had two testimonies that were local. But in addition to specific salvation testimonies, we give out each year at the Alaska State Fair, and and so there's the possibility of giving some kind of a, uh, it's not a salvation testimony, of course, but uh, an an example of, of what we experienced we write up the stories. We'll have, uh, let's see, from this year we had uh, like eight eight or nine different items where people would come by and, and the, based on the interaction with the Gideons and the auxiliary that were there, and we write those up. Most of them are not appropriate to to put with uh, part of a, of, a, of a Gideon talk, but there are a few that are appropriate. One of the fellows this year, for example, who had received a Gideon New Testament while in prison uh, here in Alaska, came up and said that he came to Christ through that New Testament, first off, and that now he owns a, um, a pizza parlor uh, in Wasilla, and he has a wife and new baby. All of a sudden, you go, my goodness, that, that New Testament uh, hit its mark, that's for sure. So, so just a, a testimony like that uh, really gets people's attention. But other places where we have interaction while checking hotels and motels, we encourage people to carry uh, personal workers' testaments with them when they do that, especially for Anchorage. A lot of people in those base, uh, those, uh, if you will, um, starting jobs, uh, helping in the hot- you know, hotel cleaning and everything, those folks are uh, are newly to America. They've probably never seen a you know a Bible except what they saw in the room there. So, giving them a testament, talking to them, taking some interest in them. And, and telling that story about just doing that. Uh, that can be the kind of thing you'd use if you have a full service at a church where you can you can talk in more detail. Uh, there have been some occasions where I've met people, say, from Ukraine or from Russia or, or Latin America, and uh, we have Russian and we have Spanish Testaments. And so uh, on occasion I've brought back New Testaments for that person. If you promise them a, a New Testament, they're real excited about it. If you follow through with your promise and you come back and give it to them, you blow them away because, first off, they are 
um, uh, I won't say the lower echelon of society, but they are not, um, they're, they're not the people at the top of the society. And so here you've taken time and recognized them as a human being and someone that God loves, and, and that has a real impact. Uh, the, other, the other place where we will have interaction will be at the college, at the university here in, in, uh, in Anchorage, or schools, or uh, we, we, go to, um, we go to some of the Christian schools where we'll have distributions there and also to the jails and prisons. And so testimonies that of just how, for example, prisoners react to you being there. There, there are Christians in the prisons. Oftentimes these guys will be, they'll be so thankful that you came and, and it's just fun. It's, uh, but, but that's the kind of a thing that uh, I like to include if there's the time uh, to make it tie it personally uh, to the local area. You've really covered a lot of ground there, and that is a wealth of information that's really helpful. Especially, I noticed you focused in on making sure that you were telling stories, sharing stories, testimonies that were were relevant. Could you maybe, let's, let's go in that a little bit uh, deeper here. As you open and start your presentation, do you start with a testimony typically, or, or how do you like to start your presentation? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't even say thank you. I, I just, um, and the, the testimony that I've been using most recently, I'll just, just give it that um, the small airplane um, crashed and everyone on board was killed. And everybody's listening very carefully because that's, I won't say a weekly occurrence in Alaska, but that's a common occurrence. And then I say, this accident wasn't in Alaska, but it was in the Grand Canyon. And on that airplane were some girls, some college students that were on a holiday from a college in California. And among those girls was a, was a Japanese exchange student, and they were all killed. And her parents came back to the university in, in uh, California to get her belongings. Among them was this, it was a Gideon New Testament. And then I hold up a Gideon Green New Testament. And I say, the parents said, well, this isn't our daughter. Our daughter was Buddhist. And one of the girls in the dormitory said, oh, but your daughter accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. Look in the back of that New Testament. And then I hold it up and show the page, the, the back page where someone would sign it. And I said, your daughter signed that page in that New Testament. And she became a Christian. Well... Those parents went back to Japan, and guess what? They both became Christians because of that one New Testament. Well, how did that Testament get there? The Gideon, like myself, came to a church. Okay, there it is. And, and that's the that is what I use as an attention getter right now. Um, uh, another another attention getter that I have used occurred in, in Colorado. It was especially poignant because you could use your arms and. And, and such, and uh, in, in that particular case, uh, John Jangosian decided that he was not going to go to federal prison. He was in a jail, waiting. He had been tried. He had been sentenced. He, had, he was waiting to be transferred to the federal prison in Canyon City, Colorado. He decided that wasn't going to happen. He was not going to go to prison. So he walked over to the bunk bed, and, he, and this is the part that I can show with my arms. He took a hold of the upper bunk, and he raised it over his head. He turned his head to the side to crash it down on his head and off in the corner. And then I point to the corner. He saw some paper. And he went over there and he picked up that paper. 
and turns out it was the it was what was remaining of a full Bible. And at that point, that's that's the time that I like to have a, a full Bible because I will take uh, just a few pages in my fingers and let and and hold that and let the rest of the Bible hang, if you will. And I said, this is all it was. It was the book of John and the book of Revelation. And he put the bunk bed down. He went over and he picked that up. He sat down in the middle of that cell and read in that New Testament, or read in that uh, that portion of Scripture. And he became a Christian through that piece of Scripture that was left there. Today, John Gengosian is a Christian businessman, insurance salesman, and uh, in the insurance business in Denver, Colorado. How did that New Testament, or how did that Bible get there? Well, the Gideons, all right? Wow, that's a very powerful story. You know, I think what's important about this, too, to take away from uh, from this is that it's just not the story. It's the way you're presenting the story. You're not only just telling it, but you're, you're, you're giving visual references, things that, because we all uh, get connected by what we hear, what we see, and by holding that, Bible up by the pages and giving that visual reference. It really just it brings people. I mean, when I'm listening to you, I'm I'm now visualizing that jail cell. Uh, I'm right there yep. watching this happen. That that is that is a, a wonderful uh, wonderful illustration of how to take a testimony and really bring it to life. Well, and I, I believe that I mean we can read the testimonies in the um, in the Gideon magazine and such. And, and and by the way, this one of the things that I have just begun doing is is, um, you know, you get this stack of, of magazines, and I, I go through them now, and I look for specific testimonies that I want to keep. I make a Xerox copy of that testimony, and I throw the magazine away, and I keep that, and then I put them in a three-ring binder, and I'll write across the top of it that this is uh, Peru, or this is uh, Iran, or this is uh, China, or, or wherever it is, so I can rapidly go find it. And and that way, when I'm when I'm looking for one, uh, I don't have to thumb through a whole bunch of uh, past uh, issues of, of the magazine. But I just go to that uh, notebook. But yeah, that that makes a big difference. And then you take that, and you you don't change the uh, the testimony, but you saw what I did through the two testimonies. You you make them come alive, and um, or you try to. You, I know you've been serving with the Gideons long enough to, to know how many years of, of testimonies have been shared and published, and I, I don't think you find all of those online on the connection, uh, but it reminds me of uh, uh, one of our brothers in, uh, locally here to me in, in the uh, Washington State area, uh, Brian Stromso. He collected those things from, I believe, back from the 70s on, or I think he actually got earlier versions from from somebody else that had handed them down to him and he uh sends them out as emails to people like a daily email with a testimony and i i, I cherish those i, I save them all and and someday i'll probably end up sharing them the same way uh you know that, that brian is you, you make a very uh, engaging and, and visual type of presentation here to, to, to bring people into these stories and to connect with them you also have, you do, I think, something that's very important that you, you give them information that they can relate to, like explaining that that scripture costs now a dollar and 20 cents so that they can start understanding that the cost to be part of this is not a large cost. They, they can provide one, ten, a hundred, a thousand, and, and they can get an idea of what their impact will be. 
when you get to that part of the presentation where it's the call to action to you know to ask them to pray to give to serve uh, how do you usually approach that well i ask the question so how can you help well number one you can help by praying you can pray that god will open doors there are two hotels in anchorage right now whose doors are closed and during 2016 they called us and it's the it's the largest hilton hotel in town and a subsidiary hilton hotel uh, embassy suites called us to come and get the bibles and i tell the church that very fact and and people are shocked by that and so when you drive by the embassy suites which is a real easy place that a lot of people go past i said you pray for that hotel because we are going to be going back there and asking them to place scripture again and but but we need your prayers and um what else can you do well when there are quite a few young people in the congregation i and and if there's time i say i would like to challenge the young people here when you go with your parents to a hotel or motel room you look in that drawer see who can find it first see which one of you kids can find the bible in the room first and if it isn't there it might be the case like the hilton hotel uh, where the management has taken it out or it might be that somebody has um, has, has taken that Bible, and in any case, we want a Bible in that room. So if you're if you see that, young people, um, um, you know, ask your parents to call the front desk and tell them that hey, there's no Bible in my room. We need a Bible here. You can, you can also help by giving, and you can give through the envelope uh, that's a part of the bulletin insert. Uh, I will be at the back of the church after out, out in the uh, foyer. Uh, I will be there with a with a basket, and you can give there. And I want you to know that every single penny that is given to the Gideon ministry goes for the for the procurement and placement of Scripture. Our own dues pay for the overhead for the association, and so every penny that's given goes for the purchase and placement of Scripture. Thank you very much. Off I go. And I don't stand there picking up a whole bunch of papers. Uh, when I get to that point, I've already have them in my hand. I'm ready to leave the podium. And, and that's something else, too. When the pastor comes up and starts to give an introduction to, to introduce me, uh, depending on how they, they do it, uh, but when he starts to say, uh, well, today we're privileged to have a, uh, Mr. Steve Burrell of the Gideons, and I will get up and start walking up there. So there's no, there's no gap. Large churches especially do not like any gaps in in time. They don't want people they don't want people walking across the stage to get to the podium. So you you get going, you get motivated, you get moving up there, and then off you go. That's great advice, and that is important. A lot of uh, a lot of churches, especially when they have multiple services on Sunday, they have to keep a very tight schedule to keep things rolling. And even a half a minute or you know or so of time lost just in walking up can be costly and then can make it make us possibly uh, make it a little less welcome the next time. Uh, and by being prompt and being ready to to step up there and, and start speaking, you're showing that you respect and honor their time and uh, and that privilege that you've had to speak there. Well, you said a half a minute. Uh, think about it. If you have a five-minute presentation, you just took ten percent of your time getting up there. Boy, you, yeah, absolutely. That <laughs> yes, that's yeah. something important to think about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
but but in any case, people um, people are much more interested in hearing what someone has to say that that looks like they have a purpose, looks like they are walking up there with a purpose. They're not fumbling their way along. You know, they're going to be more receptive to hearing what you have to say if you are prompt, if you are, um, and if you enunciate your words. I feel very strongly that we should not try to rush our talks. If we have five minutes, we have five minutes. If we have three, we have three. But uh, it does absolutely no good if we talk so fast nobody can follow it or understand it. We need to talk it clear. It needs to be concise and not rushed. Well, Steve, I think the, the, the final question that comes to mind really is what can we do at a camp level to better prepare our speakers to be prepared like, like, like you are, like as you described here? What, what, what kind of camp activities do you think we can do to, to make that better? Well, one of the things that I do is I, uh, my outlines are always on one page. And, and it's, you know, I have, it's not written out to read from, but I have it as an outline on one piece of paper. New guys that I'm, I'm trying to encourage to get uh, trained up, I, I give them a copy of, of one or two of my past outlines. Uh, they have the date on, they have the church, uh, they have uh, you know the lead-ins to each of the testimonies, uh, giving them that so they can get a, get a picture of how to do it. And, and getting them to, in, encouraging, for example, um, if there's a, if there's a Gideon that's that's thinking about it, and, and uh, or one you know is a good speaker, but just has not taken the step to become a Gideon speaker yet, invite them to come along with you so they can they can see uh, exactly how you uh, how you do it. The other thing I would say about getting services is I do not make phone calls. I go to the pastors. Uh, now once once I've developed a good relationship with them. Uh, and it's a follow-up, okay, that's one thing. But uh, I don't think we can expect to get services by calling people on the phone. I think you've got to go there, and you may need to go there multiple times. And uh, in one particular church, it was a three-year period, and I finally got a service there, and lo and behold, we now have a Gideon in that church. <laughs> and so so he he's there every Sunday. And uh, and when when the annual time comes up, he's the guy that asks that pastor now. But uh, but that that was a three year process, and that pastor uh, he is I consider him a, a friend. Uh, he he does a lot of hunting, uh, and I do too. And so I went to his office. Uh, I would see that his car was there. I knew which car was his. You know, you, those are the kinds of things you learn. I, his, his daughter was the secretary for the for the church, and I knew what her car looked like, so I knew if somebody was there, I didn't stop if I didn't see their cars, obviously. But those are the kinds of things that it takes, to, I believe, to get services, and you, you have to be diligent. And I know there are you know, people that are working full-time. In, in some jobs, you can't do it. The job I had at the time, I was uh, in charge of the, of the business, and so, uh, hey, I... You know, if I was out in that area of the town, I'd go drive by sometimes. I'd leave that list of churches in the in the seat of my in the seat of my truck or car and and, and go by. And and with that one pastor that it took three years, I even um, you know we talked about uh, about shooting and such. And I brought I brought a rifle over and showed him one of my rifles that I had that I had, and uh, just uh, really to make the connection with with these people and. 
if each Gideon has, you know, 10 or less churches for which he's responsible, that shouldn't be a big problem. Maintaining six or 10 contacts on a personal basis, and that's what it needs to be. It, It needs to be a personal basis, not just a phone call. Well, Steve, thank you so much for taking time to talk uh, with me today and to uh, really share a lot of your uh, great insight, experience, and and advice, because I think this is very helpful. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure uh, everyone listening will as well. So again, Steve, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Lord bless you. Thanks for listening to the Gideon's Church Speaker Program. We hope you found it informative and inspirational. If you or someone you know would be a great guest on an upcoming episode, send me an email at sean.graver at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N dot G-R-A-V-E-R at gmail.com or visit our website at www.tgispeaker.com and use the password T-G-I for access. Proverbs 9.9 says, instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. See you next time.